Welcome to the Common Good Mixtape, where we mix the music and culture of the 80s and 90s with nonprofit and social work practice. I am your host, Drew Reynolds. And this is Roger Seclupe. Roger, Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo. Absolutely. It, it is the new year here. We are recording this uh, just after the new year in January, though this episode won't release until February. Uh, we're excited today because we're going to have Matt Piper on from Open Hand Atlanta to talk about food and nutrition. And because food and nutrition is often a New Year's uh, resolution conversation, we thought maybe we could start our episode with some New Year resolutions. That's right. 2023, here we come with these New Year's resolutions that we are hopeful will not uh, go by the wayside by the time February hits. So Drew, what are a couple of New Year's resolutions you have in mind as we start 2023? Oh, and I'm um, actually really excited because I've got two that I'm kind of focusing on. One of them is I want to spend more time in my garden. And that's like, a I feel like I do that almost every year for the last couple of years. But this year, I really want to focus on spending more time out there. I've got um, I'm I'm got strawberries that I'm gonna build. They've been eaten by basically squirrels the last couple of years, so I'm gonna build a cage for them to protect the strawberries. Um, working on some great veggies, I had great success with squash, potatoes, tomatoes, um, and other things last year. I want to get some more leafy greens and have a little more success with those this year. Um, and I'm hoping for some really awesome carrots as well. Ooh, wow. and I got I got beans this year. Oh, we had cantaloupe last year and it was delicious. The okay. watermelon was like. Uh, it didn't quite taste right. I don't know what happened there, but the cantaloupe was great. So we're going to try that again. So. Wow. The, the Reynolds family farmer's market. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. So that's the big one. Um, the second one is to, um, for a span of time, uh, which will go into roughly April, if things work out, I will uh, reduce or eliminate all alcohol that I've had in the past. And I know that's uh, you know, sometimes it can be a bit of a sensitive topic one way or another for that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, that's not for any, you know, everybody, everybody can make their own decisions on that. But for me, I've found that it's been uh, good for my health. And um, so that's what I'm going to try to do in 2023. Excellent. Excellent. Well, those are really wonderful resolutions that I, I believe in you. I feel like you will follow through with them. <laughs> we'll see. You, you, you know, when we listen to this in February, you call me up and say, Hey, Drew, you spend any time in that garden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, depends on the weather, I guess. But um, wow. So oof, I, um, you know, health, health is, is something that's important uh, to me. I feel like it's um, what we, you know, what we eat and, uh, and, and how we, um, you know, how we physically adapt to the environment around us is really important. Um, so one of my resolutions is to run smarter. And and mm-hmm. so you know, running is something that I enjoy doing. Um, but due to the cold weather, um, I've been utilizing the treadmill more, which it's still running. And I used to be an outdoor runner. So I used to love running outside and I've, I've gotten away from that. Part of, part of it is because I've, I've become a lazy runner. So I get on the treadmill and I, I bring my iPad and I just pop on a movie and it's, it's easier to focus on that movie for an hour and run and really not be challenged because I, you know, I could step off the treadmill. I could go grab a drink of water. I can, you know, do whatever. Um, but I am neglecting the, the outdoors atmosphere that that sort of runner's high that I would get when I would run outside on the greenway or just in a neighborhood or just outside. So um, my resolution is to do more outdoor running. Uh, Ooh, that's a good uh, one. More outdoor running. So with, with 
the hope that I may enter a half marathon sometime in 2023. So I'm not sure when, but that's sort of the goal. So we'll see. So that's one. And oh yeah, two is to be a bit more mindful in how I spend time with my family. So uh, I have a, my daughter Hannah's in college now. She's a, her, she's just finished off her first semester as a freshman. I've got a, a son, Matthew, who's a junior, and then Michael, who is a, a seventh grader. Um, so it's really easy to just, I don't want to say dismiss, to feel like you have time with them when you really don't. So we can be in the same space, but doing different things. So I may feel like I'm spending time with them because we're in the same space, but if we're not doing something collectively, then I just feel like those are those could be wasted moments and I'm I'm at fault for that. And so I'm trying to be more cognizant of um, spending time with them. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. what great resolutions. <laughs> uh, well, um, these are fantastic. We will have to hold ourselves accountable when we listen to this um, as when the episode comes out. And then also listeners who want to share your New Year's resolutions, do let us know. Check us out at Common Good Mixtape on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We would love to hear from you about your New Year's resolutions as social workers and nonprofit folks and anyone who's listening to this podcast. So I forgot one more, actually. Oh, you I, got another one? I, dude, I, I have another one. It's man. to eat, eat, eat less. Um, I mean, I, 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 it's funny that we're going into this episode about healthy foods and um, I'm very notorious for sitting down and eating like a box of Cheez-Its <laughs> so I'm trying to reduce those times when, and I just do it because I don't know, it's just, it's not comfort or it's, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and just eat. And uh, I'm trying to be more mindful of that. Um, so primarily because Drew, I turned 50 this year. I'm, I threw it out there what? in the podcast world. Oh yeah. man, look Dude, at that. I turned 5-0 uh, later this year in November. So I'm trying to be mindful of uh, what healthy feels like and looks like for me, you know, for me, it's a different for everyone, so, for sure. but, but for me, so yeah. Well, congratulations on half a century, man. Not yet. It's easy there, buddy. Careful. <laughs> Not quite yet. So, but yeah, that's where we're, that's the road we're going towards. So, mm-hmm. well, um, anyways, we are going to dive right on into our interview with Matt Piper of Open Hand. Uh, we really are excited about this interview and can't wait to share it with you all. So without further ado, uh, here is our interview with Matt. Today, we are joined by Matt Piper. Matt has dedicated his career to empowering people to live healthier lives with dignity. As executive director for Open Hand Atlanta, he advances the organization's pursuit to provide delicious and nourishing meals and nutrition education to thousands of people who are homebound or too sick to cook for themselves. Open Hand Atlanta serves seniors, children, and families, and neighbors who are at risk or, or sorry, at risk for or have had a disability or illness. Open Hand empowers people to live healthier lives with dignity, and all clients, whether they are paying or not, receive the same kind of nourishing and delicious meals because everyone deserves love and dignity and nutrition. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the mixtape. Thank you. Great to be here, Matt. That's a strong name. My son is is named 
his name is Matthew. So I'm always, uh, I always have a connection with all Matthews. Um, so we're so, <laughs> we're so excited that you're joining us. Um, before we get started, I do want to congratulate you. I know uh, we chatted a little bit before we, we started recording. You are a, a Georgia Bulldog. So congratulations to you and Georgia uh, Nation. I surely appreciate that. It was a great uh, season, great game, back-to-back national champions. I think we'll be celebrating all year. Uh, go dogs for sure. <laughs> and well deserved. I mean, it wasn't even a game, you know, like that was no. just, oof. Uh, you know, oof. it's, it's, it was, it was a clear that there was, there was one number one this year and congratulations yeah. to Georgia for sure. And for all those listeners out there too, who are Georgia Bulldogs, Bulldog fans, go dogs. <laughs> as, as an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, I will tip my hat off to you. So there we go. <laughs> all right. So let's jump right in here. Uh, Matt, can you share a little bit about you and your work at Open Hand? Yeah, love to. So real proud of what Open Hand does. And so we're going into our 34th year of service. Um, and we cook and package up really healthy meals every single day. And we're to the tune of about 5,000 medically appropriate meals that are delicious and also high nutritional standards. So everything we do at Open Hand is is dedicated to helping people either better manage chronic health conditions or prevent them in the first place. And so many of our clients are homebound senior citizens or adults of all ages who are facing or at risk for chronic health conditions like uh, or serious health conditions, cancer, HIV, diabetes, heart disease, renal failure, just, just to name a few. So everything we do is done through the food is a medicine lens. And we are really proud of the delicious meals that we cook. No preservatives, no canned goods, freshly prepared um, right here in our Midtown Atlanta kitchen. But more than the meals, we also provide nutrition counseling and nutrition education. So we're actually helping people to better understand the kinds of meals that they should be eating in order to achieve their best health outcomes. So we have a number of registered dietitians on our staff who serve as community health educators. They're going out into senior centers and into WIC clinics and to uh, uh, hospitals and case management agencies and teaching people about the connection between really healthy food and good health outcomes. So it's a, it's a sort of double whammy. It's great food, but also the nutrition counseling that helps to empower people to take charge of their healthcare. Matt, I love this food is medicine concept. This is incredible. I'm reading here on on your site about uh, this quote that y'all use: um, "Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food." And that's um, that's just so neat how you are you y'all are incorporating the concept of utilizing food as not only something that fuels us, but it's also a, a important nutritional factor in our in in our lives and how some folks have access to healthy types of foods and other uh, folks don't have access to healthy types of foods. Um, yeah. Yeah. We say here in Atlanta that sometimes the zip code you live in will help dictate the length of life or for its citizens because there's so many food deserts within Metro Atlanta and really throughout Georgia. And if you don't have access to the right kinds of food, your life is likely to be shortened. You know, that we, we view food not just as a means to cure hunger. We really look at 
our food and nutrition services as a medical intervention. We, we love it when doctors are prescribing our medical nutrition therapy, which is nutrition counseling delivered by a licensed registered dietitian, but prescribed by a doctor. And while I, I support pharmaceuticals, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they exist. Um, I do uh, appreciate and envision a day when, you know, doctors are prescribing a few less pills and instead are, are prescribing medically tailored nutrition to, uh, as, a, as a medical intervention. So I see you use the phrase, you know, to connect to that, you know, comment you just made that food saves lives. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the connection you're seeing between food and health and maybe share like a story or some impact that you've seen uh, food where it's really transformed someone's life and their health. Yeah, absolutely. So well, first of all, let me let me talk a little bit about some of the research that exists out there yeah. um, because it's incredibly compelling and um um, and it's difficult to do research on nutrition because uh, you're not in a controlled environment. Like we're providing home delivered meals. We don't really know what our clients do in between uh, when they're accessing our healthy meals. But there have been some really groundbreaking studies uh, done by one of our partners in the Food is Medicine Coalition. That's a national coalition of agencies that look very much like Open Hand and operate very much like Open Hand and are committed to the same nutritional standards. And they did a terrific study that really looked at um, people with HIV. They looked at a cohort of people with diabetes. They looked at a, a cohort of folks that had both HIV and diabetes, um, which is not that uncommon to have comorbidities, uh, more than one chronic health condition. And they, they provided six months worth of, of medically tailored meals and nutrition counseling. And when they compared that via medical records to a group that didn't have access to those nutrition services, they were able to document that they could lower hospital readmission rates, they could lower emergency room visits, and they could uh, lower, they could actually get someone who had uncontrolled diabetes into a controlled state. So it, it was such a compelling research study that it was uh, published in the Journal of American Medical Association, which of course is a peer reviewed journal. Very similar study done by our uh, wonderful partner out in San Francisco, Project Open Hand San Francisco, and their study, very designed very similarly, was published in the Journal of Urban Health. Um, and it led the state of California, their Medicaid program, to do a three-year pilot to provide Medicaid members with certain health conditions access to medically tailored meals as a fully reimbursable benefit. So the research is incredibly compelling and really is helping to make the case for why we should integrate food as medicine into our healthcare system. Um, and, and that's exciting to me. And it, it's very solution oriented. You know, it's we look at food as really as a low cost intervention. When you when you realize that you can feed someone medically tailored, medically appropriate nutrition for six months, or the average uh, cost of a one-day hospital stay, you realize that food and nutrition services, the right kind of food, is actually a very low-cost intervention. So this is awesome. I mean, I, I will admit that it, I, I take food for granted, right? So in other words, um, I have access to 
any type of food that I, I may want and not even think about, um, you know, the, the repercussions at times of, 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 of what I may be eating or how easily I can access this, but how it, it, it's, th these are things that folks don't have access to. Um, you know, I could eat yeah. healthy if I want and I could, you know, maybe eat a little junky if I want. Right. But mm -hmm. I, I can ebb and flow that way with, with my lifestyle. And it's important to realize that there are, there are so many individuals out there who don't have that luxury to really think about how is what I'm putting in my mouth into my body going to impact my li my life, my health. And for some folks, they don't have a choice, but to get something, whatever it is, right. Um, because they need to fuel themselves and also, um, stop that hunger pain. So, um, and there are different pockets of communities, um, who, who are struggling because they don't have access to healthy foods. And I'm so glad that y'all are doing something about this, have been doing something about this for the past 34 years. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of these nutrition education programs? Y'all have the Eat Well, Live Well, the Medical uh, Nutrition Therapy and Cooking Matters classes. Yeah, I'd love to. So, well, first of all, we, we have this team of registered dietitians and they are passionate about great food and um, about preparing healthy food. And so for folks who are able to cook meals for themselves, they're well enough to cook meals for themselves, our registered dietitians actually have cooking classes. There's uh, cl class participants participate once a week for six weeks, and they are they learn how to read a nutrition label. They learn how to prepare a food budget. They are given recipes during class, and they actually practice preparing a healthy meal on a budget. So uh, to, uh, these cooking classes are targeted to uh, folks who uh, you know, low, from low socioeconomic communities, but anybody can learn from these classes. They're really practical. Um, and we have a, a track that's specifically for seniors. We have a track that where we have parents participate with their kids or, or parents participate with their grandparents. So they're learning together. We actually take folks on virtual grocery tour tours. So we teach them which aisles they should be shopping on in order to access the healthiest food, you know, stay away from the sugared cereals and let's spend a little bit more time over in the vegetable area. Right. Um, and so, but there's also just one day cooking demonstrations that we do for folks to, to help motivate them and get inspired to want to change their eating habits. Cause that's difficult. And then, you know, the reality is, is that um, not everybody knows how to cook an eggplant. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's legit, right? And so we're going to teach them. Here's, here's what an eggplant looks like. And here's how you can prepare it five different ways so that you can incorporate more fruits and vegetables into your family's diet, right? Um, so the nutrition counseling is so important. And um, I also think about many of our clients who are diagnosed with a serious health condition like cancer. That is so intimidating, right? Your doctor and your care team, you know, is, is sharing really bad news with you and, and says, by the way, you have to change your entire diet um, in order for you to absorb your medications and do better on your chemotherapy. Well, that's intimidating. And what we like to say is that open hand, our registered dietitians are going to partner with the, our clients to really surround them with love and not let them fail on the goals to transform their diet 
because frankly, most people, when you're right out, right out the door, right out the gate, um, you usually do fail. You know, you fall off the wagon and you, you go back to sort of a less healthy eating uh, styles. And so um, at Open Hand, our registered dietitians will actually set health goals with the clients. And some those health goals are used to help inspire the clients. So as an example, we might have a senior citizen who says, I want to be well enough to attend my granddaughter's wedding in six months. Well, that's a great goal to, to know about. And our registered dietitians are going to check in with Mrs. Smith or Miss Betty and say, how are we doing on, on this diet, right? And um, so that it just really helps to have that support system when you're trying to move the needle on health outcomes. And I think that's what where the nutrition education and the nutrition counseling piece uh, plays such an important role. With the, the thing about our menus is that they're actually tailored and created by our registered dietitians to specifically meet certain health conditions. So we have a heart healthy meal plan. We have a diabetes meal plan. We have uh, specific meals that we make for folks who are facing renal failure. So you, these menus are tailored um, to be medically appropriate for the specific health condition that, that someone has. And then same with the nutrition counseling. You know, we can help someone who is going through chemotherapy or someone who has HIV understand the kinds of food that they should eat and the kinds of foods that they should avoid through to have ultimate health. Um, so I it's really it. important. I love it's, I love the social work theme in here. It's like person-centered support. It's very uh, client-centered, individual-centered, and, um, you, you know, it's it, very high it, touch too. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we do it out of love. We say all the time that food is medicine and we, we walk the talk when it comes to that, but we also know that food is love. And when someone's ill, you know, from biblical times, what do you do? You you bring someone a, a meal, right? Uh, or someone passes away and you want to show the family that you care, you bring them a casserole, right? And so that's the food is love. And we have about 14,000 volunteers in our database who come in to help package up the meals and deliver them in their own car. And that delivery, that touch point is so important to so many of our homebound clients who that volunteer or that staff member who delivers that meal, that might be the only person that client sees that day. And, you know, a warm smile uh, goes a long way um, to, to helping people know that, that their community has not forgotten about them. And so that's a really important part of our, of our mission uh, here at Open Hand. You know, eggplant can be good too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was, I, I was, I've been thinking about eggplant ever since you said eggplant and it could be really, it, done nicely in the right way it's really nice it's healthy and i i tried spaghetti squash one time i didn't even know it was spaghetti squash but it was spaghetti and <laughs> it was out of squash and i was like this is incredible this is i've never had spaghetti like this and and so whoever made it said it's it's made out of squash I'm like what listen we, everything that we prepare in our kitchen our chefs and our registered dietitians work really closely together and they're super creative and they really have we really have debunked this stereotype that healthy food can't taste good. That's that's just, excuse my language, BS, right? <laughs> um, we actually sell our meals to the paying public through a social enterprise called Good Measure Meals. So, uh, and they're the exact same meals that we are cooking with love and, and serving to our open hand clients. 
So for folks who can't afford uh, their food, we've got open hand. And for those who have the means to pay and want to eat healthy, we've got good measure meals that you can order online and have delivered right to your house. Um, and you feel good because you know the dollars that you're investing for that meal are not only going to help you, but will help fuel the engine that runs open hand. You know, every two good measure meals that we sell will fund one open hand meal for an open hand client. And so wow. we're proud of that social enterprise. And we have a lot of competition out there, but we beat everybody on taste and quality, right? And, <laughs> and social impact. So when we I'm in food. Atlanta, I'm going to have to get me one of those good measure meals then. Drew, make sure uh, you write that down. So when I'm, I'm visiting you next time. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring some up on my next drive. <laughs> well, Matt, you mentioned good measure meals uh, and you know this, this social enterprise that caters to to people who are able to pay for nutritious meals. What what lessons have you learned about making a social enterprise successful? Yeah, who uh, we, we could be here all day because it's a <laughs> it, it. I will tell you, it's a it's a tough um, a tough market out there. It's uh, there are a lot of folks, a lot of companies that have entered into the e-commerce meal market. Um, and they oftentimes will align themselves with fad diets, right? And so at, at Open Hand and Good Measure Meals, we like to say, ditch the diet. We're, we want you to just eat healthy all year round. And we're going to teach you how to do that. Um, and we're going to really uh, focus a lot on things like portion control. You know, we're, we're a country of overeaters. Um, and we want people to understand the, how our quality is better and how we can get them to a better health, health outcome. Um, and so the, 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 our dedication to really paying attention to science and really, uh, understanding how the, how much science goes into preparing our menus is a competitive advantage. And we need to leverage that because our competitors are out there saying that they have healthy meals, but many of them don't. They, they use fillers, they use preservatives, they um, use inferior ingredients um, in order to cut corners so they can make more profit. Well, we, we don't do that. We are really true to our values. Um, and sometimes that's, that's tough, right? You know, because there are, sometimes I think, well, I actually don't think this, but sometimes people will come to me and say, you know, well, maybe you should try this bad diet because I think it would improve your profitability at, at good measure meals. But we're, we're, we're really true to our values. Um, and I think that's something that uh, we're known for. It's, it helps support our brand. Um, and then leveraging the heck out of the, the social impact piece. Our customers tell us that they really feel good to know that their food purchase is uh, helping someone who doesn't have the means to pay. And um, so we leverage the heck out of that in our, our marketing, as you can imagine. I love that you say, you know, ditch the diet and just eat healthy. I found that even in my own life, we recently joined like um, a CSA around here and most of the food you get to kind of choose and select, but sometimes we'll get some vegetables that we haven't seen before and learning to cook with a new type of vegetable or a new type of fruit or something is just, it's so instructive and you learn so much about how to yeah. eat beer. And my kids have gotten into it in the garden. We started a garden um, a couple of years ago and my five and six year old, 
will go out there and I'll say like, Hey, go grab some lettuce or something from the garden and she'll pick it and bring it in and start cutting it up herself. And it's amazing when you have access to these things in your house and in your life, it just changes, you know, kind of what you do and how you think about food. And so I, I applaud all the work that you guys are doing to help make that accessible to folks and make it possible. And to the social enterprise piece, I think too, um, that's always something that is on the mind of many uh, folks in the nonprofit sector is, you know, how can we, how can we help to use other types of ways to, you know, bring in the resources we needed to advance our mission? And that this is becoming an increasingly important topic in nonprofit literature. And so thank you so much for sharing your example with Good Measure Meals. So one thing too, I think is we are focusing on nutrition and secure, food security. Um, and we've talked about a couple misconceptions so far that you've talked about, like that healthy food uh, can be tasty as well. <laughs> um, but what is maybe another conception that misconception that you think people should know more about? with respect to nutrition and food security? Yeah, the, um, you know, the economics of food is something that I think uh, is a misnomer. You know, we have, we have lots of uh, food insecure people in this country, and yet there's plenty of food out there. It's really an access and a distribution problem. Um, and that's the problem we, we need to solve. And, and then the other, the other part about the economics of food is people say, well, healthy food is more expensive. And that is true. But when you do the math equation, you start realizing how expensive it is to provide care to someone with a chronic health condition um, and, and how, you know, how much money it costs for a hospital stay or hospital visit or prolonged hospital visit, you realize that, that, uh, Food and nutrition services is actually a low-cost intervention, and I, I'm continually sharing that math equation and that story with policy leaders and legislators to help protect um, funding streams that are out there for food access programs, but also hopefully inspire new funding streams too. I want to um, I want to circle back around to your question, Drew. You asked me to to share a story about one of our clients and. I love to share this story, a, a woman who I just admire so much, I'm, I'm going to call her Miss Betty, and she um, had been previously uh, diagnosed with um, heart disease and um, also diabetes and was on a lot of diabetes medication, and she um, had was overweight and um, spending a fair amount of time in her wheelchair and walking with a cane and wasn't really enjoying life. She's, she tells this story, you know, that she was, she was uh, battling depression because she just didn't feel like she was living her best life because of her chronic health conditions. Well, she was on a home-delivered meal plan, and then she says, and these are her words, then I graduated to the open hand meal plans, right? And I started working with the registered dietitians. And she came and told this story to my staff um, so that, that our staff is reminded just how important our work is. She said, I was on the plan for about eight months. And at first I lost 10 pounds and then I lost 30 pounds and then I lost 60 pounds. And pretty soon I realized that I was thinking better. She'd always been an avid reader uh, as, a, as a young woman, but um, she'd stopped reading. And because she was eating all this clean, healthy, non-processed food, she said, 
I began to think better. I began to think clearer. And she said she started reading again. And she started spending more time with her grandchildren. And she no longer needs to be in a wheelchair. And she is her diabetes became in a controlled state. And now she doesn't need diabetes pills anymore. Well, that, that's a huge success, right? Um, it brought tears to my eyes to, to have her say that. She actually, uh, over time, got so healthy, her health improved so much that she started auditing college classes as a, as a senior citizen. And, um, you know, we don't have that kind of success with every single client, but boy, when we do, it's uh, it really, you know, makes, reminds me just how rewarding our, our work is and how important it is. Such a great story about how shifting one thing can impact everything else that that's, that can unfold for an individual and how she was able to do that through through y'all's support and then and then come back to the thing that she loved to do the most, which is reading. And uh that's amazing. Well she um I'll I'll say one more thing about her is that she is a great um, peer educator. So she'll go into some of the senior centers that we serve and she will talk to the clients there to inspire them and encourage them to to listen to the registered dietitians at open hand. And she says, if I can do it, you can do it, right? Um, when she came and talked to our staff, she was wearing a really loose fitting blouse. And um, she said, you would never believe that I weighed this at one point. And then she stood up and sort of like Oprah Winfrey, she took off her jacket and said, look at me now, I'm fabulous, right? <laughs> so she's she's just a, a really bright light. Um, and she's inspired a lot of a lot of other uh, older adults to to follow her pathway too. So I'm, I'm grateful to her. I, I bet there are you know there are, are listeners out there who we hope find inspiration not only in this story but also inspiration through the work uh, that y'all are that y'all have been doing. Like I mentioned, for 34 years and. Um, you know, supporting other people to help them maintain a healthy lifestyle is should be key for all of us as helping professionals, um, especially when we talk about nutrition. You know, we talk about how can we support folks through um, advocacy work, through uh, maybe financial workshops, you know, perhaps employment opportunities, education, which yes, yes to all of that. But we also need to um, think about nutrition, like the nutritional value um, that is important for an individual to succeed and have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm teaching a case management class this year down at Georgia State, and for um, that class, I absolutely am going to share this episode because, you know, case management is all about connecting people to resources. And sometimes, mm -hmm. I guess, in traditional social work, food is a part of it. But you, we think about it in terms of food security. You think of things like SNAP and WIC. You think of like access to government programs, but I think having this conversation and adding the layer of nutrition and thinking about chronic illness, you know, really expands that conversation in a really important way. So I will definitely be sharing this episode with them and looking forward to it. Glad, Drew. You know, I, uh, I'm loving that more and more the, the term nutrition security is becoming part of the public health dialogue. We're not just talking about food insecurity. We're talking about nutrition insecurity. And we're also talking about medically appropriate nutrition. 
So the White House Conference on Nutrition, Hunger, and Health was held back in November. It's the first time the White House has used the gravitas of the White House to focus on this topic in 50 years. And um, 10 years ago, no one even knew what a medically tailored meal was. But my Food is Medicine Coalition, that I'm proud to, to serve on the advisory board, we actually define what is medically tailored nutrition. And at the White House conference, the president of the United States was talking about the importance of medically tailored nutrition and how we should create programs that create greater access to medically appropriate um, and sharing all kinds of great research. And so I think the, the timing is right for our mission right now. I think the dialogue is beginning to change in this country. We've got a long way to go and we've got to create um, greater access for sure to healthier foods. But compared to where we were 20 years ago, I think we're making a lot of progress. So I, I want to just share some of these uh, uh, figures uh, through a, a client survey that y'all had recently. I'm, I'm guessing it's the most recent one, um, where 66% of clients spent less time hospitalized through the open-hand nutrition interventions, right? One in three clients found it easier to take medication. 61% of clients reported multiple health improvements. 38% of clients reported lowered blood pressure. 36% of clients reported lowered blood sugar. And 29% of clients reported lowered cholesterol. And those figures, those numbers are important because what, what you're striving to do is create a healthier environment and lifestyle uh, for all individuals, not just some, not just those that have, but all individuals. So uh, yeah. we, I appreciate the work that y'all are doing at Open Hand. I, I appreciate you saying that. We're we're proud of those uh, those statistics for sure. We can we can move the needle on health outcomes um, with the right kinds of food and and helping people to understand what kinds of what kind of meals that they should be eating. So thanks for the shout out. We appreciate it. So uh, as we get closer to the end of our episode, our time together, uh, we love to take a minute to celebrate 80s and 90s culture and music. Um, <laughs> and as we were preparing for this episode, I was like, oh, we have to talk about food. Um, but then I went to actually go look at music from the 80s and 90s. that's about food. And it is pretty much all the opposite direction of this conversation in terms of like, nutrition <laughs> and health. Um, but we can, so uh, what I guess I'm saying is, is, <laughs> You are welcome. We're going to stick with the prompt, you know, that we can talk about, you know, uh, music or movies or culture that are about food from the 80s and 90s. Uh, but also, if you wanted to extend the time frame a little bit on either end, I will with my answer. Um, you are welcome to do so, or you can be very loose with your answer. So anyways, <clears throat> um, is there a song or a movie or something, something from 80s and 90s culture that comes to mind for you when you think about food and nutrition? So I'm a little bit older than you dudes, right? So I, I, I know all about the 1980s because I was there. <laughs> That's my era. Um, you know, the, one of my favorite bands was ZZ Top. Yeah. Uh, and they have a song that I think is hysterical. It's called TV Dinners. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that, there's a favorite line from uh, the song. It says, TV dinners, they're going to my head. TV dinners, my skin is turning red. 20-year-old turkey and a 30-year-old tin. I can't wait until tomorrow and thaw one out again. <laughs> <laughs> That's so appropriate. That was perfect. Wow. <laughs> that just cracks That's me awesome. up. TV dinners. 
Yeah, man. Um, I, I laugh at that now. Like when my, we have, I have three young kids and we always laugh at the things that like we ate when we were kids versus like, cause I'm the child of the eighties and nineties. Right. Right. Um, and, and then like laughing to now, like how, like my life was like Kool-Aid, like we would just take the sugar and literally dump it into water. Right. And just <laughs> like, that was like a regular sure. thing, you know? And now like we wouldn't like, now it's like, oh, your kids can only drink water, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that's great. Roger. How about you? Oof. So this was a little bit of a tough one, but then I started thinking about, uh, music in general and, um, two songs pop out. Uh, one is a healthy fruit sung by it's about a healthy fruit sung by the presidents of the United States of America. Oh, peaches. I choose this one. Right. Came out in 1995. You know, who doesn't know peaches, right? Um, <laughs> however, the line that's funny, cause you know, peaches, um, you think when I think of a peach, I always see like a tree, a fruit, you know, it's juicy, it's healthy. And the line here, peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. <laughs> so it, it's like the total it's opposite great. of, uh, well, I'm not saying that canned peaches are not healthy, but there's um, there's canned peaches and then there's canned peaches, if y'all know what I mean. We know our right? peaches down here in Georgia, Roger. So. There you go. So you, <laughs> uh, you guys, y'all know your peaches. So I'm going to stick with peaches. Another song that came to mind was, I mean, Drew knows one of my favorite bands of all time. You too. Lemon. There you go. Oh, yeah. Song Lemon. So, I, I didn't think about that one. Yeah. One of my favorite artists is uh, Van Morrison. He's more sort of came of age in the yes. 70s, right? But he has that song, Two Below Honey. Oh, yeah. That, that's one of my favorite songs. I love, I, love, uh, I love the way he sings it. Yeah. He's got well, just such an iconic voice. I, um, yeah. so I, I extended mine a little bit back further cause I wanted, I was trying to think of songs and, um, so it's actually, I'm really cheating here. Cause I'm, if I I'm thinking of the song Jambalaya, which I think is a Hank Williams song. Um, but then like has been redone by like John Fogarty and like the Carpenters and Emily Harris, like there's a bunch of people have done that song. Right. And, um, and it makes me think of, uh, Gulf coast food. And for but a time before I ended up here in Georgia, I lived on the Gulf coast in Mississippi and remembered with many fond memories, uh, the great Gulf Coast food that um, I got to uh, encounter when I was down there, especially around Mardi Gras too, which was which was great and fun. So, jambalaya. <laughs> Drew, I thought I thought you were gonna go with pork and beans by Weezer. <laughs> you know that would be that would also be appropriate. Um, I, there, I I'm glad that this is this is great. We had some some really good ones. I'm excited about that ZZ Top song. We so Matt, we will play um, some. Uh, we usually have like a song at the beginning and end. Um, and so we'll try to find a way to sneak one of these in there uh, for the final recording that comes out. Great. Good deal. Well, in any case, thank you so much for coming today, for sharing uh, uh, your wisdom with our listening community, uh, talking about open hand, talking about nutritious food and talking about social enterprises and sharing that all with our listeners today. We really appreciate your time. I appreciate both of you and I appreciate you lifting up not for profits. Uh, we, we can always uh, benefit from the exposure. So yeah, most thanks, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me today. Sure, appreciate it. You know, one more thing before we before we say bye is I I encourage listeners to because I know y'all are coming through from Atlanta, but I encourage listeners who are listening from anywhere, right? Whether it's the Carolinas, in in Atlanta, up north, down south, out west, wherever you are, uh, please check out organizations that are similar to Open Hand Atlanta, uh, and and see how you can volunteer, see how you can get involved. 
in the livelihood of your community, of community members. Uh, because again, we're all striving to live a healthy lifestyle, but there are some folks um, who need support in understanding and knowing and in receiving this information. So, you know, we talked about access and um, distribution, and I'm, I'm a big, um, you know, stand on a soapbox about access. A lot of communities don't have access just to the information and sometimes even the yeah. right information about things. So, so I encourage listeners to, you know, find these spaces that exist in your communities and go out there and help. Well said, well said. In fact, I'll invite your listeners uh, in the Metro Atlanta area to come volunteer with us. They can go to openhandatlanta.org and register to volunteer. We'd love to come in groups, come as a family, come as an individual, um, but come and volunteer with us and hang out. We'll, we'll have a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank awesome. you so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt. All right, guys. Happy New Year. You yes. too. Thank you. The Common Good Mixtape is a production of Common Good Data. Check out the show notes and all information about this podcast at our website, www.commongooddata.com podcast. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the handle at Common Good Mixtape. Listen to the full episode with music tracks at Spotify or directly on our website. So grab your Walkman, dust off those old cassette tapes, and listen to the next episode of the Common Good Mixtape. See you next time.